You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. If you're looking for a little Christmas cheer, I'm not 100% sure that you've come to the right place for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're most likely to get a cheer here all year. I think that rhymes, does it? But in particular, this week, rather than talk platitudes about the so-called season of goodwill or say that joy should be an all-round thing. I do say that quite regularly, an all-year thing. You know, joy isn't something that appears on a Christmas card once a year. But I need to get to the practicalities of managing yourself moment to moment. It's something that we talked about in last week's podcast when I started with a self-awareness test or self-check, if I could put it like that. And if you didn't hear last week's podcast, it's worth repeating the question that you were asked at the beginning of that podcast. And that question was a very simple one, but an enlightening one when you stop to consider it and then answer it. How are you feeling right now? And I have another reason for repeating that this week. Because I said to you last week, you should repeat this question to yourself regularly. Because ultimately, through regularly self-checking, you will enhance your understanding of how you're feeling, where you are, and who you think you are or who you actually are at the moment in time when you stop to ask and reflect on the question. Once even asking the question, you take a step on the road to self-awareness and self-awareness opens up all kinds of wonderful avenues for opportunity and indeed cheer all year round, Christmas cheer included, because you suddenly open your eyes to reality, the reality of you in the moment, not the warped idea of reality that you have about yourself when you use your mind normally, using thoughts that you have been harboring, thoughts that hold you back, that you've been harboring since you were young and impressionable. And really, that's actually what I want to talk about this week, because thoughts have power. Thoughts have power over you. Many people over the years, over the last 27 years, many people with whom I've worked have had various or adopted various different strategies for dealing with their thoughts. From the chap with the imaginary baseball bat that I mentioned a few weeks ago, who would whack his thoughts out of the park, so to speak, to other people who would laugh at their thoughts as they came into their consciousness. Now, as I've said to my friend with the baseball bat, and as I've said to people who adopt the attitude that, you know, you might as well laugh at your thoughts rather than give your thoughts power over them. The fact of the matter is that even laughing at your thoughts gives them the attention that they are looking for. What do I mean by that? Well, a thought on its own is a nothing. So you shouldn't be wasting your energy on swinging the imaginary baseball bat or indeed even going to the trouble of laughing at something 
that actually isn't there. Now, you might say to yourself, hold on, that sounds like a contradiction in relation to what we talked about last week, where I said that those thoughts in your head will always be with you. We learned a load of stuff during our formative years that forms the basis of our blueprint for living everyday life. Now, obviously, that was the intention of evolution. That's not how it works in practice, because it is a blueprint for existing from one day to the next. It's not a blueprint for actually living your life, living with a capital L. But everything we learn during our formative years ends up in a database, which psychology calls our stored knowledge, in our subconscious mind. And that database fires 70,000 thoughts through our head every day. And they're the same 70,000 thoughts every day. There'll be a little variation here and there, perhaps related to something that might be going on today. But, but you even have to beg the question in relation to that, because something that's going on today isn't experienced by us. We only think we experience it by using the thoughts to categorize it, as we've spoken about before. So we don't have to waste our precious energy on trying to understand what is actually going on. Now, of course, that was fine when our key role in life is survival. But if you want to do anything with your life at all, and that could be something as simple as losing weight. <laughs> you might say to me, hold on, losing weight isn't simple at all. It is if you go about it in the right way. It could be as simple as getting fit. It could be as simple as setting up a new business. It could be as simple as having a nice Christmas meal with your family rather than the normal family Christmas where people are shouting and screaming at each other all in the goldfish bowl of the Christmas holidays. In other words, none of the things that I've just mentioned is on your menu when you're using your mind normally. Because those 70,000 thoughts, never changing 70,000 thoughts, are the thoughts that enable you make it through the day until, of course, you stop that. And that's what these podcasts are all about. And if you think I have repeated myself there, you'd be right. I've said it probably hundreds of times over the last couple of years in these podcasts. But people don't listen because if they did, everybody would be living a glorious life. And I would get more emails of the kind that I only get from time to time that say, thank you very much for your help. I'm living the life of my dreams. I don't need you anymore. Now, the fact of the matter is that they don't need me in the first place. The fact of the matter is that nobody needs to even thank me for living their life or learning how to live their life. As I've said to many people over the years, I'm a guy with a few signposts. And it's up to you to follow the signposts that will lead you effortlessly to the life that you would love to live. And you don't even need a map. I was talking to my program owners on Zoom a couple of weeks ago, and I alluded to one of the Harry Potter movies. I don't know which one it was. And as I said to them at the time, I wasn't a great Harry Potter fan, but boy, was I made watch each of those movies multiple times over the years. But I think it's in one of the early Harry Potter movies where a treasure map or a map of some description is found in Hogwarts. And there's nothing on the page until you begin to take the first steps on the hunt, the treasure hunt. And once you begin to take the first step, the next step becomes visible to you. This is a wonderful analogy for how we can, how we must actually move forward in our lives by noticing the signposts 
and taking the direction in which the signposts are pointing, one step at a time. You're not even going to notice the signposts if you are paying attention to your thoughts. Thoughts have power, but they don't have power in and of themselves. Thoughts are only given power by the thinker. In this case, you. A thought on its own is a nothing. It's a psychological snapshot in your family album, the horror album of the psychological snapshots that you took when you were young and impressionable. If two pages in a family album were stuck together, you'd never see the photographs on the two congealed pages, would you? You wouldn't know they were there. You wouldn't be able to give them your attention. You wouldn't be able to give them their energy. They would no longer have any power over you. Now, I'm not saying that you need to glue all the pages of your album of psychological snapshots together. What I'm actually saying is you need to close the covers on your family album of psychological snapshots. Put it on the shelf where it belongs in the back of the brain and pay it no attention at all. But this is not something that you have to do only once because the psychological snapshot album has a habit of falling off the shelf, opening itself and firing thoughts into your mind every single day. Why? Because 1.8 million years of evolution has seen to it that you rely on the 70,000 thoughts in your head for survival. But you only rely on those thoughts as long as you allow your automatic pilot run your life for you. Or maybe there's a letter missing in that. Maybe it should be ruin your life for you. Because as long as I said, and I'm sick saying this, but people don't listen, as long as you are allowing those thoughts take even the slightest bit of your energy and attention, you are losing the moment of your life in which you allow that happen. Thoughts have power, but in and of themselves, they are nothings. You are the person who gives your thoughts power. You don't need to stop thinking. I don't think that is humanly possible. I don't think it's humanly possible. What you need to do is start living. In other words, you don't need to say to yourself, I'm going to ignore those thoughts. Because saying to yourself, I'm going to ignore the next stupid thought that comes into my head, is actually paying attention to the next stupid thought that comes into your head. And that's all the thought needs to feed itself and to grow legs and to give itself the power that it is habitually used to and has been habitually used to all of your adult life. You don't need to, as I said earlier on, expend any energy on whacking something that isn't there out of the park. So, you know, when people say to me, I don't want to have this noisy mind, and I hear that all the time, by the way. And just as an aside, let me press the pause button there for a minute, so to speak. Because an awful lot of people, most people, when they start working with me first, say to me, my mind is getting noisier. 
mad thoughts are coming at me from all directions. And I keep saying to them, no, those mad thoughts apparently coming at you from all directions were always there. Your mind was always this noisy, but you weren't aware enough to realize that this was the version of reality that you were experiencing as you existed from one day to the next. Let me put it another way. When we start meditating first, when we start developing our self-awareness, we become very aware indeed of the noise in our own heads. And it feels for all the world that our efforts in meditation are actually going in the opposite direction to the intended one, in that those efforts amplify the thoughts in our heads. That's not the case at all. Meditation enables you become aware of the madness of normal crazy living, aware of the madness in your own head. And after a period of time, and generally speaking, it's only days, after a period of time, you become attuned to the reality of the moment in a way that the noise begins to fade all the way up to the noise dissipating altogether. I'm talking about days. You heard me right. So you shouldn't say to yourself, as many people do, I don't want a noisy head anymore. You should flip that objective around from saying it negatively, I don't want, to saying something positive. And I'll explain why in a minute. What you need to say is, I want a quiet mind, or I want peace of mind. This is what I want. Now, there are a number of reasons for me saying that. First of all, goals are things towards which we run. Goals are not things from which we run away. The subconscious mind, the subcortical brain that will enable you pretty much effortlessly get whatever you want out of life is all about running towards your goals. You have to set goals in your subconscious mind, in the subcortical brain, specifically in the hippocampus in the subcortical brain, that it can run to. Because as I've said before, the subcortical brain is cybernetic. It's like a heat-seeking missile. You don't give a heat-seeking missile the coordinates of something from which it should run away. Quite the opposite. So goals are something that you run towards. So you never express anything to your subconscious mind negatively, as in, I don't want all this noise in my head. You always put it the positive way around. I want peace of mind. I want a quiet mind. Now, I'm not saying that from the perspective of trying to turn a negative into a positive. I am not saying that from the perspective of trying to supplant negative thinking, which is our natural state of mind, with positive thinking because positive thinking is still just thinking. Now, what I said to you earlier on is you need to stop thinking. But let me express it in the way in which is best. I want to start being. Because once you are, once you are present in the moment, you are no longer thinking. The other reason I'm saying that we need to express things positively rather than negatively is that in the same way that thoughts are given power, 
by our paying them our attention or giving them our energy. Words have power because our subconscious mind, known in psychology as the constant observer, is always listening. I'd often have one-to-one -one conversations with clients and they would say to me, oh, I'm a great worrier, I'm a great this, or I'm terrible at that, or, or I'm a procrastinator, or I'm the world's worst at getting in my own way. And I say to them, it's all very well for you to talk to me like that in a one-to-one -one conversation, because that's the reason we talk. So you can get that crap, all that crap that's in your head, you can get it out into the open. You can articulate it. You have someone who will listen to you. And because you have a recording of each of our one-to-one -one conversations, you can listen back to yourself getting that stuff off your chest. So it's all right for someone to say to me in a one-to-one -one consultation, I am a great worrier or I'm my own worst enemy. Well, you don't say that to yourself because the constant observer is always listening. Now, when I say that to people, they say to me, but hold on, you told me that positive affirmations don't work. If the constant observer is listening to me saying I'm my own worst enemy, surely it'll be listening to me saying, as I said in one of our podcasts recently, you're a fabulous girl. You got this girl. You are a powerful girl. I got your back here. You are going to achieve this positive affirmation. Uh, I, I, I've already had my few words in relation to that kind of nonsense, so we won't go back and dwell on that. But people say to me, if you're telling me that the constant observer is listening to me bad-mouthing myself, surely the constant observer is also listening to me as I positively affirm myself. And yes, it is, but it has no impact. And I'll tell you why. If you say to yourself, I'm my own worst enemy, the constant observer will hear that because that is the channel to which your constant observer is tuned in. It's called the negative channel and it's been tuned in to the negative channel since you were young and impressionable and it's been stuck on the same station playing the same programs since you were 12 or 13. So it's used to hearing that. It's old hat. It doesn't go in one ear and out the other. It goes in one ear and settles on top of all the bad mouthing that your constant observer has been used to all of your adult life. If you start trying to throw positive affirmations at the constant observer, they are so ridiculous in comparison to what it has been listening to all of your adult life, it won't hear them. And if it does hear them, it will discount them because they do not fit with the picture your constant observer has learned of you and has had reaffirmed by you bad-mouthing yourself all of your adult life. So negative words have power because they reinforce everything you thought you knew about yourself. Positive words, positive affirmations might have a little bit of an impact over a protracted period of time on the basis that if you drip enough drips of water on a stone, the drips will eventually make some impression on the stone. 
but why would you bother wasting your energy and your time on trying to talk yourself into a positive state of being when you could actually simply just be in the twinkling of an eye. And as I said a few minutes ago, when you are, when you develop your ability to be, because you are, you're not thinking anymore. And therefore, the thoughts that might be still there, that actually are still there, in your big family album stored in the back of your head, those thoughts are now nothings because you're not giving them your attention or your energy. They have no power over you anymore. And you don't even have to worry about whether I should adopt certain strategies to deal with certain thoughts. The thoughts are nothings. You know, people often say to me, what triggers will I use in this situation? Or what tactics will I adopt in that situation? And my answer always is, would you ever just be? Would you just practice being? Because when you practice being, sooner or later, you are more and more and more of the time to the point where you are in flow most of the time every day. I did not say most of the time most days or most of the time some days. I said most of the time every day. And when we are in flow, we know. We talked about that last week. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast episode, it's actually very important because I talked about the difference between judging and knowing. When we use our minds normally, we judge. Judging is a thinking or thought-based activity. And it isn't that we're actually judging what is going on in the here and now. Who we judge ourselves to be is judging what who we judge ourselves to be judges as what's going on in the here and now. And those judgments are made on the basis of stuff that we learned when we were young and impressionable. So we're not judging, we're prejudging, we're prejudiced. Judging is a thought-based activity and it will always lead you in the wrong direction. There's a world of difference between judging and knowing. We know in our gut. And as I said last week, at the risk of repeating myself, when people ask me, how will I know the difference between a judgment and a knowing? My answer always is, you'll just know. Because to know is to feel. You actually get the feeling in the pit of your stomach. Judging feels very normal. In fact, judging feels like nothing at all. Judging just feels like the routine nonsense of everyday life. But when you train yourself to be, thoughts have no power over you anymore. When you are, you will talk to yourself properly. You'll still talk to yourself. It's, it's inevitable. It seems to be part and parcel of the way we're actually built. And with the best will in the world and all the neural reconstruction in the world that meditation and being present in the moment and experiencing flow brings with it, we still talk to ourselves. For example, people who practice unguided meditation will often guide themselves in meditation. In other words, they're talking to themselves, even though nobody else has talked. So the fact of the matter is that you'll still be talking to yourself, but you will, I was going to say, be careful in relation to the language that you use. You won't need to be because you're present 
Now, that's another really interesting thing because people often say to me, how will I say what I need to say to this person? What am I going to say in this difficult situation that I would prefer to avoid altogether? Or how am I going to deal with this person? Or how am I going to say what I need to say to my boss or somebody who is being difficult towards me, a bully, for example? How am I going to deal with these people? And my answer always is you'll say what you need to say when you need to say it in the best possible way because you know what to say. You don't need a script. You don't need to think about it. In fact, thinking about it will stop you doing it. You'll just know. And I quote a conversation that I had with a client a couple of years ago who was looking forward <laughs> to one of those difficult conversations. And she said to me, what am I going to say? I said, all you need to do is turn up and you'll dance through the conversation like a ballerina and you'll come out the other end in awe of how easy it was to achieve what you wanted to achieve. And that goes back to the goals I was talking about earlier on. She was running towards a goal rather than running away from a difficult conversation. It all comes down to deciding how you invest your energy. Because your energy, it's literally electromagnetic energy, your electromagnetic energy will either be turned in on itself, powering your thoughts, or turned outwards into the universe, powering your intentions to bring about the life that you would love to live. That is not an analogy. That is a matter of scientific fact. I will repeat that. It's not an analogy. It's how the whole thing actually works. If I am thinking my thoughts, my energy is turned in on myself, my energy is tied in knots, my energy, at the actually there's one positive in all of this, if I'm buried in my own thoughts, say I'm buried in worry, the investment of my energy in that worry isn't going to greatly increase the possibility that what I'm worrying about will actually come to pass, because my energy is turned in on myself. So at least there's a positive you can take from that. It's not much of a positive, by the way, because you shouldn't be worrying at all. What we need to do is, through being, allow our energy to be turned outwards into a waiting world. When we clear our minds, when we are, in other words, when we develop our ability to simply be, I am present in the moment. When I am, when you are, your energy is flowing freely out into the world. Not to give you what you want, but to give you what is best for you. Why? Because you possess a treasure map, like the Hogwarts treasure map that I mentioned earlier on. And all you need to do is take one single step at a time and the next steps along the path will be illuminated for you, literally, by what psychology calls your attentional spotlight because you will have turned it on through practicing being. We know from previous conversations that when we meditate, we turn on our attentional spotlight. We actually take control of our attentional spotlight. 
when we meditate, we reconfigure the parts of the brain that have the cybernetic quality that I mentioned earlier on. And we can give those parts of the brain their coordinates to enable us take the next couple of steps forward. But they don't need the coordinates for the grandeur of the life that our thinking mind could never even imagine. They have those coordinates already built in to each and every one of us is an understanding, a knowing, to use the words I used before, a knowing of what is best for me. So all we need to do is trust ourselves. And that is why in a number of the conversations we have had, I have given you very practical advice in relation to trusting yourself to take baby steps and deliver small known goals, like say, getting an interview or something like that. We've talked about that before. Because the more you learn to trust yourself, the more evidence you have that you can trust yourself, the more you'll trust yourself. And the more you trust yourself, the more yourself, your knowing self, will enable you to take the next step or two forward. And the map of your life, the grand map of the life that is best for you, will actually, through your own actions and your own steps, create itself for you. That's what happens when we turn up to the here and now. That's what happens when you develop your ability to be. That is what happens when, through developing your ability to be, you starve the thoughts that held you back of the attention and energy they need to exist at all. That is what happens when you decide, I am going to let my knowing me take me by the hand and lead me forward to the life that is beyond my wildest imagination. Maybe that's the Christmas cheer you were looking for. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-dash.com 